Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty and I am too. My name's Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's just because I'm freaky. I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have on store today. We're going to do a series of actually analyzing many or grading many of my rookie drafts. Hopefully you guys are in the thick of rookie draft season. Man, it's so much fun getting those. It's like Christmas in the middle of May, you know, getting those new shiny gifts on your team. Uh, Draft season is so fun. And so I'm going to look now this week and in coming weeks at each of the drafts of several of the leagues that I'm a part of and just kind of grade my drafts, give you an idea of what my team makeup was like going into the draft, uh, what I was considering doing, what I aimed to do, and then I'll just kind of give you a breakdown of actually what happened during the draft if I like where I landed, where I made mistakes, where I wish things would have gone better, or where I thought I did, th- did things well. Just an honest look at several of my drafts. I hope in doing so that I'll talk about several players that you might be interested in, um, as well as the, my rosters already, not just the rookies, why I've done what I've done uh, based on the value that I see in some of my players on my team that aren't rookies. Hopefully I'll touch on a lot of your players as well, and this will be informative as you head into or assess, or maybe your drafts are over and you're kind of doing the same process assessing your drafts as well. So hope this will be good for you. Let me give you a little bit of a background on the team that I'm uh, talking about now. This is what's called my Good Times League. That's the name of the league, the Good Times League. And this is one of my running back needy teams that I have. Real quick, let me give you a little bit of the background on this team. Um, Like I said, it's the Good Times League. We started this back in 2014, so we've done five years now with this league. It's a 10-team league with standard scoring. Rosters 30 players per team, no IR spots, so 300 players are rostered uh, during the season. Of course, about 350 uh, given the rookie drafts after the rookie drafts before the season starts. We start 10 players. It's a one-quarterback league, so we have one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, a flex, tight end, kicker, and DST. So pretty standard all the way across the board. This league's pretty crazy because I've not seen anything like this in all of my dynasty leagues. The uh, champ, we'll call him Chupacobras, Shout out to Bill. He has won the league four years in a row. It's the most championships in a row that I've seen in any league I've ever been a part of, redraft or dynasty. It's pretty ridiculous. And so we're all gunning for this guy, even though he has, you know, he's not even done it by like trading up and and getting, you know, great picks. He just sits there in the number 10 spot every year in the rookie draft and just drafts awesome players. And it seems like everything he touches turns to gold. So Bill, we are all gunning for you. Congrats on your fourth one in a year, fourth uh, championship in a row. If you win this next year, we might just have to destroy this league and start over. But we're all coming for you. Let me tell you about a little bit about my my team in this league. Um, my team's name is Dog Drool, as is the case of many of my teams that I'm a part of because of my love for my Mastiff named Russell Wilson and other Mastiffs that I've owned. Um, this is a league that's been very com- uh, I've been very competitive in. I've made the playoffs every year except the very first year after the draft. But I've never been to the Super Bowl, so I've kind of routinely placed in the playoffs or even get to the Final Four, but I've never been to the Super Bowl in the Final Two. Uh, you'll see when I describe my team here, I have an incredible wide receiver core, but my weakness is at running back. This last year, I came in sixth place, meaning I got to get the dreaded fifth spot in the draft, which I think is like the worst spot in the draft this year to be in the fifth spot, particularly when you need running backs. 
So that's what I was facing going into the draft. Let me tell you about my team, just the skilled position players here. At quarterback, I have Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, and, and Josh Rosen. This is going into the draft. You'll see I traded some of these players during the draft. My weakness here at running back, I have Damian Williams, Matt Breida, Royce Freeman, Jamal Williams, Corey Clement, Spencer Ware, and Justin Jackson. So a lot of second-string guys um, with a few guys that, you know, hit at kind of the end of last year, and Damian Williams and Matt Breida. Wide receivers, here's my strength. I have DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Golden Tate, Marquise Lee, Trey Quinn, Josh Reynolds, Demarcus Robinson, and Philip Dorsett. And at tight end, I had Jared Cook, Trey Burton, and Ian Thomas. So average there at tight end. Of course, last year was pretty good. Uh, You'll hear about a trade that I made that didn't go so well for me here in a bit at the tight end position. So here are my plans going into the draft. Um, I had two first-round picks, and here's why. I mistakenly traded George Kittle to last year's team uh, that last year finished last in the draft. We had one team that was really, really bad last year. In fact, we had made it an orphan team, and my friend Dave Moogie came in and took over the team as an orphan. So about midway or early through the season, I traded him George Kittle for his first-round pick. I knew my team was really weak at running back, and so I wanted to get two first-round picks in this this draft and thought for sure – Given this guy's lineup, since he was last last year by a long shot, he would be in the top three picks for this uh, 2019. Well, stupid Moogie, I should say talented Moogie, goes in, takes over this team, makes some great picks on the backs of uh, Philip Lindsay and, and Nick Chubb, ends up making the Super Bowl against Chupacobras and Bill, and loses in the Super Bowl. So this pick that I traded George Kittle, thinking it would be a top three pick in the draft, turned into the number nine pick. So not ideal for me. Definitely a trade that I wish I would have had back, but I was sitting here with the number five and the number nine pick, and I knew I needed a lot of running backs, which this was not going to be the spots to get the running backs that I wanted in this draft. I really wanted one, two, or three so that I could get Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, or David Montgomery, the three top guys in my rookie draft order. So my first goal was actually just to punt these, just to kind of give up on this year and and, and approach this league and say, does anyone want these picks for 2020 first-round picks? Um, it's a little less active e- league than some of my leagues, and so people aren't as risky, and so there was really no takers on that. The next thing where I did generate some interest is I tried to trade up to number one and number two, offering my number five and my number nine, so this is prior to the draft, trying to get the number one or number two to pick by getting someone to trade back and take my five and nine. These guys weren't willing to do it. Uh, they really wanted to stay put where they were, so I was pretty discouraged thinking that I wasn't going to get one of those top three running backs that I really wanted sitting there at number five, but I just had to play what came to me. Two other things I really wanted to do with this draft, um, I wanted to trade away a quarterback. I felt like I needed more running back depth, and holding four quarterbacks in a one-quarterback league was just too much, and so I hoped that I could get rid of a quarterback if I could, and I'd been shopping Golden Tate all offseason. I couldn't get any buyers. I was adding him into trades and doing anything I could with him to try to trade him and get some value in this draft. Um, and so I was really feel like uh, Golden Tate's an asset whose value is only going down. Like I feel like he's hit his peak, particularly when he got traded to Philadelphia last year. That was it for him. And I uh, feel like he's not going to do much better with the Giants. He's a dwindling asset, so I wanted to try to move him if I could. Plus the fact that I have uh, three of the top five receivers you know, in uh, Hopkins, who I have my number one ranked receiver. Michael Thomas is my number four. Juju Smith-Schuster is my number five. I felt like these guys... Golden Tate was never going to start for me. So I made it an aim to get young at running back. I knew that, uh, I mean, young at wide receiver because I knew guys could sit behind him. And I wanted to get as many running backs as I could, even though I knew this was not the best draft. 
So what I really hoped was I'd have some players pop during this season so I could get some more 2020 first-round picks because this was not the best running back draft. So that's what I was thinking going into the draft. Now let me tell you actually what went down in the Good Times draft. I won't mention every pick. Maybe I will here in the first round just because that's what we all uh, often care about with first round. So in the Good Times draft, it went Nikhil Harry, number one, Josh Jacobs, number two, David Montgomery, number three. And here's where I was kind of biting my nails here, hoping that Miles Sanders would fall to me. And sure enough, he did because number four took DK Metcalf. So I couldn't believe it. My fears of not getting one of these top three running backs, I not only got one of the top three, I got my number two in Miles Sanders. Um, I couldn't believe that the guy that I would have taken at number two fell to me at number five, but I was thrilled to have it happen. It's certainly my most uh, needed position. Here's the thing, though. For this year, I don't believe that he'll help my team a lot, maybe near the end of the year. Um, I don't think that he's going to you know, come in and just take away all of the carries there and be the passing down back or anything like that in Philadelphia. But I love the Philadelphia um, scouting team. I know that they picked him for a reason, and we're happy to grab him there as early as they did. And so I believe that he's going to be good enough to beat out all the other backs. And I hope, and I really believe that he'll be good enough that he'll change Doug Peterson's running back by committee ways, and eventually Miles Sanders is just going to be an every-down starter. He's going to change Doug Peterson's ways. That's my real hope, and I do believe that it could happen. I've been high. If you've been following me, my writings and my podcast this whole offseason, you know that I've been higher on Sanders than most. I was actually higher on him than almost everybody until the until the combine. He performed so well at the combine that I was so sad. Everyone started moving Sanders up their boards. But go back and look at my articles. Go back and listen to the podcast. You'll see that I was a higher on him than anyone before, before the uh, combine. So I was thrilled to get him there. Um, not probably going to help me right away in this league, but he's going to help me uh, down the road for sure. Was happy to get some depth there. Next went uh, Kyler Murray at number six, A.J. Brown, number seven, Paris Campbell, number eight. And remember, I had pick number nine. This was the pick that I traded uh, George Kittle, hoping that I would get a running back. I just felt like I couldn't take a running back here. Uh, you'll hear in a minute that I was really high on Damian Williams, that I had him as my next best running back. But I had a receiver here ranked ahead of him in my rankings, and I felt like I needed to be true to my rankings and grab a receiver here and hope that either uh, Harris or Henderson, who I had ranked number eight and nine, would fall to me at pick number 15. And so that's what I chose to do when I drafted here Debo Samuel. Again, I have to say I would much rather have Kittle if I could trade Debo Samuel back to my buddy Moogie and get uh, George Kittle back. I would much prefer that. If I had these three stud receivers and had Kittle as a stud tight end, I'd feel much better being weak at running back. But it was a trade that I made, hoping I'd get a top one to three pick in this year's draft, and I didn't get it. So there you have it. Would have been nice to have pick three and five, and I could have got Montgomery um, and Miles Sanders. That's what would have happened if I'd had a three and five or two and five or even one and five. I would have gone Jacobs and Sanders in this draft uh, sitting there at the five spot. But it didn't happen, so I was happy to take Debo. I do actually really believe in him. I think that he's going to be targeted like crazy. I had him ranked higher than most. He was my number six player overall, so I was glad to get him at number nine. What I hope would happen is maybe Debo. One thing I like about Debo is I think he's going to start right away, whereas if you compared him to someone like A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf, uh, maybe a little bit less so with Nikhil Harry. I think those guys are going to take a little bit more time to start, but I feel like Debo Samuel is going to make a difference right away. And so my hope is if he really pops and becomes uh, something – that people are intrigued by early in the season, he's a guy that I would love to trade for a 2020 first-round pick. So my hope is what I did with Kittle can maybe net me a 2020 first sometime next year, but you never know. I'll bring it out. Just to mention the last pick of the first round was a little bit of a reach, but it was by Chupacobras who picked Nicole, uh, Nicole Hardman, which, again, every time this guy drafts a player, he turns to gold. So 
I wouldn't have drafted Nicole that high, but I'm not going to argue with Bill's uh, continued winning ways, how he keeps winning the same championship, sitting in the 10 spot and drafting gems. So that's when went number 10. We get into round two and went to Marquise Brown. Uh, second was TJ Hawkinson. Third, next tight end, Noah Fant. Uh, number four was Hakeem Butler. And I was thrilled at number five that my plan worked. I got Debo Samuel and, and felt like I had to take him because I had him ranked higher, hoping that either Damien Harris or Darrell Henderson would fall to me there. And Damien Harrison, uh, uh, Damien Harris rather, was the one who fell to me. Um, I feel like that Harris has been the most polarizing player in this year's rookie drafts. Um, I've seen him rank, I have seemed to have him ranked higher than anyone else in the industry. Um, I have him as a, my number eight player overall. And from the websites that I've visited, only the guys that under the helmet, the UTH guys, are the only analysts who have him close to that. They have him ranked number 11, and they have him way higher than most. So he went 15 here in my other drafts that I'll, that I'll kind of review later. Uh, he went number 17 in one of my other drafts, and the, the draft that I'm currently in right now, he went number 22. So here I got him at number 15, even though I had him ranked as my number eight player. So for me, this was really a steal, uh, especially given my need for running back. So I really believe that uh, New England is trying to zig while everyone else zags. That's something that New England does, and I feel like this, as everyone's kind of becoming more of a short passing game, pass-happy offense, uh, New England's doing just the opposite, and they're making plans to become a run-heavy offense, drafting bigger and bigger linemen and drafting more and more running backs, Sonny Michelle last year and now Damian Harris this year. Sonny Michelle had one of the worst uh, third and short, fourth and short uh, carry uh, statistics of the entire of all the running backs in the NFL last year. And I know that uh, Bilicek knows that, and I think that he's brought Harris in to really be the goal line back. Um, and I think he'll instantly kind of replace that role that Burkhead had um, there at the end of the season. And Harris is going to get a chance to compete. Sony's often injured, and so I like this long term for Damien Harris to be the lead back in New England and really carve out a you know first and second, even maybe a third down role there for them. Of course, uh, James White's always going to be used in the passing game. There's no doubt about that. But I really love Harris. I'm higher on him than most. Again, kind of like Miles Sanders, I'm not sure that this is going to help me in the 2019 season. But give me the 2020 season when these guys establish themselves more as a role, and I, I can be really hopeful for what uh, the future holds for them. Uh, Tom Brady's getting older. Like I said, I think New England's going to zig when everyone zags, and they're trying to become a run-first offense, and I believe Damian Harris is going to be a huge part of that. As expected, uh, the next guy that I was hoping would fall to me would be uh, Darrell Henderson, and he went next. So I did both of those guys fail. I grabbed the one that I had ranked number eight, where Darrell Henderson I had ranked number nine. Uh, my buddy Dave Brown picked him in the sixth pick. Seventh pick of the second round was Devin Singletary. Uh, eighth, eighth pick was Alexander Madison. Ninth pick was Justice Hill. And here I was at the tenth pick, and the the uh, the owner, Chupa, the champ, Chupa, here with his second pick, so pick number 20, had offered it, saying he'd be willing to offer it. And so what I was really excited about was getting a younger wide receiver. And so here's why I approached him with Tate. Remember, I wanted to get rid of Tate during this draft if possible. I know that uh, Bill and Chupa Cobras had several offers for that uh, pick number 20, but mine must have been the best because he came back saying that he would take Tate straight up for that pick. And so I traded Golden Tate to move up to pick number 20, where I drafted uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. He was my number 13 player overall, so to grab him here at 20, I felt like it was a real steal for me. Like I already said earlier, I feel like Tate's peak, Tate has peaked in value, and Whiteside um, doesn't have to play for me right away. Again, I feel like Whiteside's going to be somewhat of a long, long-term long move for me. Um, he seems pretty similar to Alshon Jeffrey, but I do think that maybe next year Philadelphia will be ready to move on from Alshon Jeffrey 
and I like you know young young quarterback there, and being able to pair Wentz with Whiteside long term um, is something that I really believe in, and I've already told you I really believe in the Philadelphia scouting department. So when they draft someone, I pay attention. I felt like this was a win-win for me. Tate's not going to play for me except in bye weeks, perhaps, because my three studs that I have at receiver. And really, my my thought here was, hey, let's grab a guy that I can afford to just have sit. Like this guy, JJ doesn't have to do anything for me this whole year. He can just sit behind my stud receivers, maybe develop into something. And if he does develop into something this year or in the next year, maybe I'd be more willing to trade him or move on from one of my key studs in uh, Hopkins, Juju, and Thomas. Maybe I would be willing to make a trade for a running back at that standpoint. Uh, so top running back, obviously, that would be, it'd have to be a top five running back for me to trade one of those stud receivers. We get into round three. Uh, round three, we had uh, Kaiser, or Kaiser, or, uh, the first pick of the second, of uh, the third round was Kelvin Harmon. Uh, second pick was Bryce Love. Third uh, was Miles Boykin. And here's where I got in a little bit of a conundrum. The fourth pick was Darwin Thompson. He was one of the guys that I was really hoping would fall to me in the third round because I was trying to stockpile as many running backs as I could, just hoping that I would be able to sit on them. I was real content that I had Debo and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside at this point at receiver. felt like I didn't need any more receivers, and I just wanted the rest of my draft to be filled with running backs. But here in the third round, I got sniped a little bit and was a little frustrated with how things went down. Uh, Darwin Thompson was who I wanted. Uh, I feel like uh, he's, again, maybe not going to be a star right away. But with Kansas City, who's also a scouting department that I really trust, um, as well as Matt Waldman's love for him and uh, so many people who have uh, watched him and like him, I had him ranked higher than most and felt like he would fall to me. But for some reason, uh, my buddy Ross Bryant must have saw or been reading some of the same things that I had, and maybe he was even looking at my website and sniped him right in front of me. So Darwin Thompson went. Then I was a little bit of a conundrum, thinking, should I go running back there? I would have been willing to do Thompson there. But I felt like, again, kind of like I did with Debo, to take my next running back on my board, which was Raquel Armstead, that I just couldn't do it right there, that it felt like a little bit too early for him, particularly since I had Andy Isabella um, available, and he was my number 19th-ranked player overall. Well, uh, Raquel, I forget, was probably like in the 30s, so I felt like I just needed to see if he might fall to me in the fourth round or if I could trade up to get him. So for better or worse, I went with Isabella right there um, at pick uh, 25 in the third round, so pick number five in the third round. The thing is with him is I'm not as high on him as others, but I just felt like he was the best value there. Um, like I said, I really wanted to get Armstead or Thompson. I uh, felt like I needed to wait on Armstead and uh, was frustrated that Thompson was taken. Um, that said, I, I had to put stock in the fact that he was a second-round pick. Um, see, I saw how Kingsbury uh, was super excited to have him. I'm curious to see what he can do with Murray and the new offense. Uh, to me, he feels like a real boomer bust player. The good news is I feel like you're going to learn pretty quick, like his type of position we're going to learn pretty quick, whether he booms or he busts, that within the first year we'll get an idea what kind of player he can be. Um, if he if he booms, he's one of those guys too that I would trade pretty quickly for a 2021st if I could get in the 2021st to help grab some more long-term running backs for this team for me. So that's how it went. It was either I was trying to choose between Isabella and Deontay Johnson, but I had them ranked number 19 and 20, so I stuck true to my rankings, and I picked Isabella. And, of course, Deontay Johnson went right after him at number 20, uh, my buddy Dave Brown. And then I was really upset because then I started putting out, right away I put out offers saying, hey, I want to trade back up into this round because I really wanted to, to take a stab and get Raquel Armstead. And so I put out feelers for it, and one team had two two picks, uh, pick number seven and number eight. They had back-to-back, and I was hoping that I could get someone to give me uh, a trade back in. 
so the number nine pick in the in the third round said yes, he was very interested in trading for for me trading up. But the guy that had held a seven and eight pick was not willing to, uh, he, or at least he didn't contact me that he was interested. And so right away he took Raquel Armstead, the guy that I wanted to trade up for, and Benny Snell, someone else I probably would have considered there. So he took two of the running backs that I hoped to get late. So a little frustrated with that. I'd already begun offers with the guy at the number nine pick who also needed a quarterback. I'd mentioned that I wanted to move Matt Stafford in this draft so I could get rid of having four quarterbacks on a, on a one quarterback starting, on a starting one quarterback league. So I ended up considering the trade or considered backing out of the trade, particularly since Raquel Armstead had went, and that was the guy that I really wanted to trade up for. But I looked across the board, and I realized that Irv Smith Jr. was there, and I felt like I was very willing to trade just straight up um, Matt Stafford for Irv Smith Jr. Ended up giving a little bit more. I also gave him my, my pick and my uh, kind of swaps and picks. I had two picks in the fourth round, so I gave him my first pick in the fourth round and Matt Stafford uh, to move up. Um, I'm not very set at, at, at tight end. I've got Jared Cook, who I think will be great this year, but it's definitely getting older. I've got Trey Burton, who I'm still really confused about what his role is going to be in Chicago. I'm not high on him. I do have Ian Thomas, who I'm really hopeful for, that he could develop into something here in his second year with Carolina. But I felt like uh, grabbing Ur Smith, who was pretty much consensus third tight end um, after after Fant and after Hawkinson, uh, by, by pretty much the consensus third uh, tight end. Felt like it was good to go ahead and reach for him here and was, had no problem giving up Matt Stafford in my next uh, fifth fifth pick in the fourth round. So that's what I did there. I uh, was really happy about it and felt like it was a good move uh, for my team. Dwayne Haskins went next. Then we moved into the fourth round, which was Jalen Hurd, Dexter Williams, Rodney Anderson, Jay Sternberger, Terry McLaurin, Riley Ridley, Josh Oliver. And now I did get finally one of the running backs that I was hoping to get late in Kadre Allison. Um, I was really excited to get him. Uh, at the eighth pick of the fourth round. Here's the history of this pick. So I told you I traded my fifth pick in this round with Matt Stafford to, to trade up and get Irv Smith. So I, I didn't get my fifth pick in this round, but I did get um, my eighth pick, which I traded. Here's what happened as to why I had that extra pick in that round. Um, I traded with this owner um, at the very beginning of last year. It was the owner that had Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott, and I had Rod Smith on my team. And when it became clear that Smith was going to be the primary backup, I offered him uh, Smith for a uh, 2019 fourth-round pick. And so sometimes guys are really willing to, if you're convinced that like a, a backup or a second, um, second round or a second player, a backup or a handcuff to a running back, and you're convinced that he's not going to be a star if the starter was to get hurt, one of the things I like to do is offer that for a late pick. And so I offered my buddy that had, my buddy Shane that had uh, Ezekiel Elliott in this league, I offered him Rod Smith for a fourth round pick very, very early in last year's season. And so here's what I was able to do with that fourth-round pick. I was able to get Cadre Allison, uh, a running back that I targeted late in these rounds. And so I'm really excited that I did that. I definitely value him already more than I do Rod Smith, who has now moved on from Dallas and now is at, with the New York Giants. So Armstead was the guy that I really wanted to get late, but Allison was the next guy in line for that. Fact is, I don't like uh, in, uh, Freeman, uh, Devonta Freeman. I feel like he's very injury-prone, and Allison could really become the number two back. I'm not worried about Ido Smith. I see him as a change of pace back, and I believe that Allison can quickly become the primary backup to Freeman, whereas Ido Smith will stay in his role as kind of the passing down back and change of pace back there for Atlanta. Allison's a beast. I don't know if you've watched him, but he is just a giant man, and I feel like he might even be used in the goal line packages for Atlanta even early in the season if Freeman's healthy. And so I, I'm real curious to see how Allison does. His, his tape is really fun. I loved watching him. I uh, love his size. He's like almost like 230 pounds. He's a beast. And so I was happy to get him in the fourth round to build that running back depth that I made a priority for me in this draft. 
last two picks of the fourth round were Preston Williams and Travion Williams. We get into the fifth and went Miles Gaskin, Drew Locke, Emmanuel Hall, Mike Weber, and then was my last pick, the fifth pick in the fifth round, where I got Bruce Anderson. Uh, here I was taking one more stab at running back, and Bruce Anderson's my highest-ranked undrafted free agent. I feel like Tampa Bay's backfield is one of the most up for grabs in the league. Um, in the fifth round, he was definitely worth uh, a stab, and I think he's going to be worth a hold for me. At least I'm going to hold him until we have to cut down to 30 players just to see what he plays like in preseason and what opportunities he's, that he's given. I really like his chances to make the team. Uh, I loved his film watching him, and I uh, feel like he's going to be part of the rotation there in Tampa Bay. He's really great at special teams, so I feel like he's going to earn a spot on the team, if anything, maybe as a kick returner, um, just that in and of itself. So I pretty much get him in all my drafts because I'm ranked way higher than everybody else does. I think I have him ranked number 29, and so I'm getting him in all the drafts. With this draft, I felt like I could wait all the way till the fifth round to grab him. was happy to do so. Closing out the draft, after I drafted Bruce Anderson, Jordan Scarlett went. Uh, Karan Higdon, Devina Zigbo, Penny Hart, and Elijah Holyfield to end the draft. So uh, one last note that I'll say is that when waivers came around, because I had given up two players, I had two open spots, was able to pick up some waivers. I picked up Demaria Crockett and Keelan Doss on waivers uh, since I had two open spots. Again, Demaria Crockett, I feel like, has a chance to become uh, a starter in Houston. There's a kind of a crowded backfield there. Uh, he was a great player early on in his college career. And so I feel like uh, he has a chance to beat out uh, Lamar Miller or maybe Dalton Freeman, uh, depending on if he heals from his Achilles injury. So I added depth with Keelan, Keelan uh, Doss at wide receiver, again, just to add one more rookie. I will say that one of my goals in this draft to kind of close out my uh, assessment here was that I really wanted to get younger. I felt like I was super top-heavy, apart from running backs, that my three wide receivers are pretty much never going to move uh, from these. They're going to be top ten receivers for years and years to come. My quarterbacks and Russell Wilson and Jerry Goff, I've got top five, maybe top ten uh, quarterbacks for years and years to come. Running back's definitely where I need help. I got a little bit of youth at tight end. So what I wanted to do was really churn this roster a bit to go veteran heavy and go rookie heavy. And so I ended up drafting, because of all the trades that I made, 10 rookies, counting the rookies and the waiver wire moves that I made, 10 rookies overall. So now 30% of my team, or well, I guess I have 35 players now after the draft, but I have 10 rookies of 35 players on my team. And so I feel like this is something really important for, for the long-term depth of my team and really need some 2020 picks and hope to get some 2020 first-rounders besides my own to make this team be all that it could be. Challenge Chupacobra, who keeps winning this league. Uh, my running backs pop. My real hope is that Damian Williams uh, for Kansas City can produce strong like he did at the end of the last year, particularly if he can do that really well at the start of this next year, giving Miles Sanders and Damian Harris a little bit of time to earn positions and become starters in my fantasy team at least with my awesome quarterbacks, my decent tight ends, and my ridiculously awesome wide receivers, I feel like I'm going to continue to compete in this league. Don't know if I can contend for the championship, but I'm going to continue to be a playoff team, and I feel like I have some pieces that I can move to try to get more picks in the 2020 draft. That was my Good Times draft review. I hope that it's been helpful for you thinking about your teams. Um, I really appreciate you uh, tuning in and giving a listen, and I hope that you're enjoying all of your rookie drafts. That's going to be a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. As always, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at Dynasty Freaks. That's Dynasty Freaks with two E's um, anytime. I'm better at email than I am on Twitter, so email me anytime. Uh, much better that way. I will say uh, here in closing, I'm going to say this at the end of most of the podcast here going forward, that I've been building the website and the podcast for about a year now. 
I really wanted to develop a year's worth of content before promoting uh, the website or the podcast. I really did this for two reasons. One was to get better uh, through practice. But two, and this is really the more important reason for me, is I wanted to have a year's worth of verifiable and contestable content on the site so that you can see for yourself whether my dynasty takes are generally right or generally wrong. Um, Of course, we're all going to hit on some things and we're going to miss on some things, right? It's fantasy football after all. But I hope that you'll test me. Go back and read my articles and listen to podcasts and see if I can't become your best and most trustworthy independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Now that I have about a year of verifiable and contestable content on the website, I am going to start promoting the website and the podcast. Uh, You can really help me out by doing me a favor and just ranking and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. I'd really appreciate the support. If you take time to do that, um, I'll read your review, and I'd be happy to respond to one of your questions through email uh, on the next podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you take some time to do that. Give me a rate and review. That'd be great. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.